0: Welcome to Choate's Life Sciences Insights, a podcast series hosted by our intellectual property, litigation, and corporate attorneys covering
1: trending topics at the intersection of science and law. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another installment of our podcast series on important issues that need to be considered when conducting clinical trials. Today, we're going to discuss some common mistakes in clinical trial-related press releases. These mistakes can lead to unnecessary and expensive government investigations. Problematic press releases can also have disastrous consequences for senior executives who approve the content of those statements. We will talk about how to avoid these pitfalls. My name is Diana Lloyd. I'm co-chair of Choate's Government Enforcement and Compliance Practice Group.
0: And I'm Melissa Tierney. I'm co-chair of Choate's litigation department and I'm a partner in our Government Enforcement and Compliance Group.
1: Thanks so much for joining today, Melissa. What is the regulatory guidance that companies should be aware of when drafting press releases about clinical trial results? The most relevant guidance is
0: 21 CFR 312.7A, which prohibits the promotion of an investigational new drug before it is FDA-approved for commercial distribution. However, the regulations are clear that a company is allowed to engage in the exchange of scientific information,
1: including the dissemination of scientific findings in scientific or other media. What does this mean practically? Do you have any suggestions as to how companies can comply with this guidance? This can be a fine line to draw, but we do have some practical rules to keep
0: in mind. Present trial data in an accurate and balanced manner with all appropriate qualifiers and disclaimers. Present the trial data itself, but not conclusions about the data. Remain factual. Clarify that the drug is investigational and FDA approval is still required. Also, be careful not to do the following. Describe clinical trial results as established facts. Draw conclusions from the data. Use proactive adjectives such as breakthrough or revolutionary to describe trial data or outcomes. Draw conclusions about clinical trial results or product efficacy or suggest that the product is safe and effective for an unapproved use. State or imply that the drug is safe, effective, or superior to any other treatment. Omit risk information or use quotes from investigators that will be problematic
1: if attributed to the company. So that's a great list of do's and don'ts. But what are some of the enforcement or litigation risks associated with problematic press releases?
0: FDA can take enforcement actions against companies, including issuing untitled letters or warning letters. We have seen DOJ use pre-commercialization conduct, including press releases or statements at investor conferences, to establish a company's intent to promote off-label once the product is approved in the context of investigations under the False Claims Act or criminal healthcare statutes. We also have seen competitors sue each other under the Lanham Act alleging false advertising because of statements made in press releases about clinical trial results. In one case, a pharmaceutical company alleged that a competitor issued a press release that contained false and misleading statements, including comparative superiority claims the court found that the press release was wrongful and entered a consent order in joining the company from further distributing the release. Diana, what about SEC enforcement?
1: Can you give us some examples about SEC-related risks associated with press releases relating to clinical trials? You're right to raise SEC enforcement as another risk associated with press releases. One case that's gotten a lot of attention over the last few years is a case against Aveo Pharmaceuticals and its senior executives. Aveo was a small company that had not yet received FDA approval for a product. Now since this case led to an SEC enforcement action, you can learn more details about what I'm about to say by reviewing the court filings. Aveo was working on developing a drug to treat kidney cancer and had completed a large randomized clinical trial called TiVo. At a meeting with FDA to discuss Aveo's new drug application for this drug, FDA expressed concern about the drug's impact on patient survival. FDA also explicitly recommended that Aveo conduct an additional clinical trial. Now, you can imagine the tremendous pressure that Aveo executives face at this time. They had what they thought, and the market thought, was a promising clinical trial, and now they face the prospect of potentially having to conduct another trial that would take several years, cost tens of millions of dollars, and delay FDA approval. So the company's executives, including its CEO and CFO, decided to adopt a communication strategy where they would provide some information about the meeting with FDA, but would not disclose the FDA's recommendation of a second trial. A press release was issued as part of that strategy. It's worth looking at the language of that press release to see why Aveo and its executives got into trouble. The press release referenced the FDA's concern regarding the overall survival trend from TiVo. The press release also stated that the company would be doing additional analyses to address FDA's concerns, but the press release didn't make any reference at all to FDA's recommendation that Aveo conduct a second clinical trial. Ultimately, when the truth came out around eight months later, when FDA revealed its recommendation for a second trial, the company's stock plummeted more than 30%, and securities fraud class actions and an SEC investigation and enforcement action ensued. The company ultimately had to pay $4 million to settle the case, and the matter dragged on for years. While the former CEO and CMO settled, the former CFO went to trial and lost. That case was appealed, and earlier this year, the court affirmed the judgment against the CFO. So Diana, what tips would you suggest so that companies don't get themselves into these situations? Well, the Aveo case reinforces a really important lesson. While companies don't have a duty to disclose every communication they have with FDA during the development process, once they make a decision to disclose, they need to ensure that their statements are not false or misleading. In the Aveo case, the initial press release was really just the tip of the iceberg. That initial statement described the FDA meeting in a way that could have been interpreted to mean that the FDA approval process was on track. However, the failure to disclose the FDA staff's recommendation that Aveo do another pre-approval trial left a misleading impression. And once the company adopted that initial strategy, it compounded the problem for many months because the senior executives found themselves in circumstances where they were repeatedly confronted with questions about that FDA meeting and they dug themselves into a deeper hole. So the lesson is that if you make a decision to disclose an event, think about whether you have included enough information to create an accurate picture. Diana,
0: I recall a situation earlier this year when AstraZeneca faced criticism for making a misleadingly incomplete disclosure in a press release. Are there any lessons to be learned
1: from that incident? Yes, I'm glad you brought that up, Melissa. Earlier this year, As pharmaceutical companies were racing to get COVID vaccines to the market, AstraZeneca issued a press release announcing interim results from the company's U.S. vaccine trial. The press release said that the shot was 79% effective at preventing cases of symptomatic COVID-19. Within hours, a group within the National Institutes of Health, and that's known as NIH, issued a statement announcing that the safety board overseeing the trial was concerned AstraZeneca may have included outdated information in its results, which may have provided an incomplete view of the efficacy data. NIH urged the company to release up-to-date figures promptly. Of course, because development of COVID vaccines was front and center in the news at the time, the issue was widely reported. In fact, Dr. Anthony Fauci referred to this press release as a quote-unquote, unforced error. It turned out that when AstraZeneca further analyzed the interim results, the differences were statistically insignificant, and one could argue that a press release that included the updated data would have painted even a stronger picture for AstraZeneca. So it's a bit of an oversimplification, but I see this situation as essentially a haste makes waste scenario. The company was in such a rush to release the results that it didn't think through the ramifications in the highly charged pandemic news environment. In this case, the harm to AstraZeneca seemed limited mostly to the short-term negative press and a slight stock decline, but had the additional data been materially less positive, AstraZeneca might have found itself facing government scrutiny.
0: Thanks, Diana. So another cautionary tale. That wraps up our discussion for today's topic. Thank you to our listeners for joining us, and stay tuned for additional podcasts in this series on clinical trials. For more information, please visit www.choate.com. You can also listen to additional podcast episodes in the newsroom of our website and subscribe to them wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The information presented in this recording is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice for a specific situation. If you wish to obtain legal advice, you should retain an attorney and explain the facts of your particular situation.